You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Good evening. Shane Chastain. Welcome, everyone. Will Gibson. Hey, what's up, everybody? And special guest, Jorn Jens. Jorn Jens. Good evening. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Jorn. I kind of stumble on your name. Uh, you're from Germany, I understand. Yeah, I am. That's okay, right. well, thanks for coming on. Uh, we wanted to get to know you. Uh, you run a, a kind of a different circle of races that most of us. Uh, and so let's get started about first... When did you hear the word iRacing to begin with? And then what did you do about it? How did you get started? Um, in the beginning, when I started sim racing, I started with R-Factor. And I stayed there for like one and two months only. And then I read on a motorsport news site, because I was always a big uh, motorsports fan. Uh, I saw iRacing, that they had a, a voucher for trying it for $5 a month, I think it was. And then I gave it a try. And that was back in 2010, and then I uh, stayed, basically, until now. All right, great. And uh, so tell us what you're running right now on a regular basis uh, as far as series go. I know that, you know, you you finished up in the World GT Team event. Uh, that they, It was run earlier this year, but what are you running now? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was running in the, in the GT series. I was just reserve driver. Uh, well, I started as that into the season. Then uh, uh, Jake Hewlett and Yoni Takan both dropped out because of some injuries they had. And uh, at the moment, I'm running a NASCAR series. We have we have a German league, uh, which is also broadcasted on TV, and we are just starting into the playoffs uh, this weekend. Okay, very nice. Uh, that sounds like fun. Now, I was looking at your stats page and looking at. I always look at uh, overall winning percentage. On road, you got 21%, oval 11%, and dirt road 24%. Pretty good numbers. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess so. And then uh, looking at your official racing, I noticed that you ran some NASCAR iRacing series, uh, specifically the Roval, uh, you know, Watkins Glen, and uh, Sonoma had some pretty good runs. It looked like uh, third and uh, second and third or something like that. Yeah, I mean, um, when I started iRacing, I started with road racing and over ra I tried oval racing. That was the first time I got in touch with that. And I think in 2012 it was, I actually tried to qualify for the Pro Series. I just missed it by, I think, two or three positions in the uh, qualifier standings, which was the A Open back then. And uh, yeah, at the moment I'm also doing the Nesca iRacing series every now and then, when uh, because I very much like to prepare for my for my league races in the in the open series all right let's talk about your hardware setup what do you got for wheels and pedals and monitors or vr and then any third-party software while you're racing uh-huh um yeah i have uh um, i have a, a 80 20 rig built by my uh built by myself uh which has triple screens on them and uh, as wheel i'm using a uh direct drive wheel which is also do it do it yourself wheel 
uh, with Heusingfeld pedals. And I also use a H-shifter because that is really nice to have it in NASCAR. I don't like to drive it with uh, shifter pedals. Okay. Uh, sounds like a pretty good setup. Uh, tell us when you're like league racing or whatever, what is your preferred car number and how come? Um, at, uh, at the moment, I'm racing the one, but because of our team, we always have... Uh, anything with the 8 in it and the 8 was taken already and the 88 so i just ended up with a 1 in there but in general i like to use uh, anything that has an 8 in it okay very good uh tell us what's your most memorable moment so far in i racing i think my most memorable moment was the first uh uh igt world championship race i won because uh, we had a very special strategy running where we had uh, ran the last two stints with massive fuel uh, saving to actually save a lot of time in the last pit stop and then we went for the one tire change strategy which worked out pretty well uh, and nobody even tried it because nobody thought it would work and that was uh, yeah i still remember that to this day all right great now we first heard your name i think from uh, mr bobby zelinski and uh, you run with him in, uh, as you mentioned before, the VRS GT World Championship Series for team uh, running. And boy, you're on a heavyweight, heavyweight team over there, the Coanda SimSport. Uh, first of all, tell us how you got involved with them and what it's like to run with some of the best racers in the world. Yeah, I mean, we started the team in uh, 2014 and we were, back then, most of our drivers are we were in another team but we were a bit unhappy with the management and then we uh, thought we would uh, move on and do our own thing uh, with uh, our how we imagine how a team should work and i think we got really well along with it with our ideas how we can evolve go under the sport into a better team and uh, uh, i think all the success we are having this year especially and also the years before is just uh, showing that we are doing our things right okay yeah and i went through and i looked at your uh, finishes uh for that uh, se season in the gt and it looks like it was the first race was bobby and joni Takinen, but in the second race uh, you was you it with joni uh, you got P23 there, and then 17th, 28th, 35th, and 19th. Kind of, kind of mixed results. Uh, tell us about your run through those races. Uh, but the other thing I, w I wanted to point out is I was looking through the results. Man, they this see this uh, series has literally the best sim racers in the world in it. When you look at all the different teams and who's in them, uh, boy, it it must be fun to race with uh, with that kind of lineup. Yeah, we had um, the races, we had a lot in, I think most of them, I think the season had five races and in four of them we had lab one incidents which throw us back big time. We had repairs and some of them had to uh, drive with with uh, one or two laps, uh, gap already to the leader after, after the start directly and that was a big throwback but racing in the series is uh very very enjoyable because you always have someone to fight with even uh when you're not competing for the wins and uh, yeah I, I really like that series because you have so you uh drivers can show their talent there's a big uh, there's a different skill set needed compared to the porsche cup which is also on the roadside and yeah it's it's a good series i think
All right. Very good. Um, now, I we got word, I think, a week or so ago that they were discontinuing the series, I think, on a go-forward basis as far as the way it was currently structured. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, and what does the community think about that? You think it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe a legal pick-it-up or something like that? Yeah, I think it's really a pity because that series was something every team, also the smaller teams, which uh, which you normally not, would not expect in the top 10, would prepare for it the whole year. And I think it was always a great opportunity for the smaller teams to shine, to try to get a top 5, top 10 finish, uh, whatever your goal was. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure someone else is going to pick up that series to run a GTE or GT3 uh, series with a couple of races over the year. At, at least I hope so. Yeah. Um, when I saw the lineup of all the different drivers, I'm like, boy, they really got something good here. And then, you know, it's discontinued. But uh, all right. Well, very good. That that was fun to talk about. And uh Let's let's shift gears to NASCAR. You told us about you've been running the NASCAR iRacing series. Uh, I see uh, here you you ran the race earlier today and got ninth in top split. Uh, tell us about how you do on the ovals and and what your goals over here on NIS or in oval racing in general. Um, yeah, I have no uh, ambitions to qualify for the Pro Series. Obviously, that is uh, just the time. The time is bad for Europeans to compete in that series. So I will always try my best in the NIS, depending on how good the fields are, if I race the Thursday evening race or the, the night races for me. Um, yeah, the, the, the goal is always to have a top 5 or top 10 finish, because depending on the track and how well I have prepared. And in general, um, I use these races for, the, for preparation for the league races I'm doing, because uh, there's nothing better than doing real races to prepare that's true i uh i practice is kind of a waste of time for me but when i get in a race it's totally different um all right well very good uh it's fun to see you in those races and running pretty good too um and i was i was pleasantly surprised by your road course finishes there of second third and uh second um uh for this year's nis races yeah i mean i'm a road racer uh, that's where I originally come from, uh, obviously. And uh, yeah, ra racing the the uh, cup cars on a road course is a totally different thing compared to any anything uh, else which runs road. Um, so uh, also the oval drivers, they are some are not really, yeah. How to say it? Uh, road courses are not really their thing, so it's easier to do, to achieve better positions there. Okay. What about any aspirations for like the uh, Porsche Super Cup uh, series? I mean, you got the I rating and chops to probably make a run for it. Yeah, I, I must see because um, the tire model which I racing had the last two years did not fit my driving style at all. I need to have a stable car which I can uh, I can push and drive over the front wheels, which was not possible at all. And yeah, let's see what what uh, the new updates are. Uh, are uh, showing to us but i'm not sure if i will try to compete in that series yeah i mean right now we really don't know what next year holds is it going to be a porsche super cup or is it going to be a different car 
you know, or or is it going to be an open wheel car? I mean, it. I mean, it's kind of open the, up in the air as far as I know. Yeah, they have not announced anything. They just said they are dropping the uh, team series, the VRS GT, and I think at the moment they are open and uh, whatever they are doing. If they have uh, another uh, road uh, championship series or or, or not. Yeah, I know IndyCar is looking for uh, a way to get involved in some racing, and I really hope that they, they're talking to IndyCar. But we know Porsche is still pretty gung-ho with iRacing right now, and so I wouldn't be surprised at all if Porsche returns, uh, but it just hasn't been announced. Mm, I think I think it would be a big surprise if uh, the Porsche series would not be there next year. Um, for IndyCar, I think it would be quite an interesting thing to have a, a road and oval series if they are doing that because uh, uh, that would be a totally different beast compared to any other series that have been so far right all right uh next up tell us uh some advice for up-and-coming racers who want to be uh, involved in a team like coanda sim sport i mean uh, how do you get noticed and uh, and get uh, you know recruited for something like that? You know where you, where should they be running? What kind of car and events should they be running to get noticed by you guys? I think you will most easily get noticed by the teams in the races which they are also running in because then you uh, they have a direct comparison to you to your driving um, and how fast you actually how fast you actually are and. Uh, I think that is how we uh, got most of our drivers because uh, I think any of them which we recruited in the last years have competed against us on the track and uh, impressed us. All right. Yeah, you guys got a, a pretty good lineup over there. We've talked to a bunch of your teammates here on the show and uh, sure glad to have you on here, uh, Jorn uh, Jens. Uh, tell us about uh, how people can follow you if they want to see your races. Uh, do you do any Twitch? Uh, or are you on social media or that kind of thing? Um, I'm not really a social media guy and I'm also not streaming. So I think the easiest way <laughs> is just to spectate the iRacing races or watch the broadcast. Yeah, it's always fun to watch a top split of the NASCAR races. So uh, get in there, guys, and uh, see how Yorn's doing. Uh, he had a pretty good top 10 today. So, all right. Well, thanks for coming that on. A, yeah. That was a hard race because I had some hardware issues. I couldn't get in gear when I was lined up in the pit lane. So I had to start from pips, pits and had to start the race four laps down. And that was a hard fight to get back onto lead lap and then uh, to a top 10 finish. Wow, that is a hard start, but a good recovery, that's for sure. All right, well, thanks for coming on today and talking to us. Uh, we're going to get into topics. Uh, first, we want to mention uh, iRacers Lounge Podcast is a sponsor of the Podium Esports Oval Series. They run Xfinity and Trucks on the same track at the same time. Check them out. Uh, let's talk uh, preview for this coming peak finale at Homestead. It's going to be a Thursday on NBCSN. Uh, broadcast uh, nationwide and uh, iRacing put up an article uh, previewing uh, the four drivers running for the championship and this is like NASCAR they're all uh, basically even on points and then whoever uh, wins of the four or is ahead of the f other three uh, wins the championship so uh, what do you guys think about uh, this lineup it's a bunch of heavy heavy hitters that have been racing you know, 
tight with them all season. It's good to see all the bio or the background on all of them. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see. I don't know if I'm more interested to see how the broadcast goes than the actual race, like the to see who wins the championship. But that's just me. I want to see how this actually gets promoted. And, you know, I'm, I, it'll be interesting to see who gets that championship. Yeah. Like I said last week, I think Bobby... Zelensky is probably the guy who's on fire right now. And, you know, he had to win to get in, to get to the advanced into this uh, event. And uh, I just think he's got the momentum right now. So, But aren't, uh, like, Zach Novak and Ke- yeah, Keegan Leahy have been more consistent on the bigger oval tracks, so have they not? Yeah, absolutely. And Keegan and Bobby are teammates, and they're sharing us the setup. So we know that they both have the speed. Do you think they're actually fully shared, or yeah. is there? <laughs> yeah, the kidding. way Keegan talks. So I, you know, if you listen to Keegan in the uh, uh, post race, and he talks about it, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that it's pretty even. And then Blake Reynolds, uh, you know, we got to mention him. But uh, uh, you know, he's had some aggressive racing recently, and uh, to to kind of keep his spot to go into Homestead, and so maybe if he keeps that up, he might be in a good position. Should be a good event. I mean. Uh, a good four guys and the other thing is none of these guys have won it before so we're going to have a first time winner the other thing i noticed obviously none of these guys are from trying to the feeder series trying to get into it right like they're original guys that have because they competed last season so they didn't have to kind of they're they've been in round for a little bit and their yeah they have been in there yeah and uh you know good the people all deserve it that are in there so uh it's gonna be fun good luck everybody <laughs> Will, tell us about USAC World Championship. Yeah, it's uh, if you've listened to us the last few weeks, it's going to sound the same. Uh, David Heilman picks up another win. It's his third in a row. Um, racing was great. They were running at Eldora. Um, track looked real racy. The race itself was kind of business as usual. They had a couple good, maybe 10, 15 lap green flag run and a couple cautions in the middle. And unfortunately, it did end under caution, but Heilman, he... Uh, he really ran the race. He didn't start up front, but once he got out there, he was kind of running away, and they were great racing second on back, and uh, just kind of, it's a great show, just kind of the same, uh, more the same, but it's still a great, great show. Track position, track position. Once you get it, and if you don't mess up, you can't be caught, is what I'm seeing. Well, uh, it's like, I think uh, I think his name is Brendan Rogers, drives the 20 car. I think he's really one of the quicker ones out there. He picked up the first win, but I think the second race he flipped while leading and battling uh, Heidelman. And I think there's a lot of talent out there, but Heidelman, they call him the Heidelmaniac, but he's the most sane one out there. It looks like he keeps all four tires on the ground throughout the whole event, and it's paying off. So um, I think this series really amplifies how difficult these cars are and dirt racing is, and um, he has been the most consistent, and it's definitely paying off. Okay. Let's talk about Porsche Esports Super Cup. We have a winner. It's Josh Rogers. Surprise. Uh, yeah, we had him on the show a few weeks ago uh, or a couple months ago. But uh, Josh gets it done, uh, and he ends up winning uh, the championship over Sebastian Job and Jared Fussell. Uh He put it up on Twitter uh, thanks to the Coanda Simsport. You know, obviously, he's a teammate to Yorn. And uh, Josh was really good this year and uh, was a key player in most of the events, you know, in the top three. 
So uh, I would say he does. He won $28,800 in total prize winnings. Uh, he's going to be honored at the Stuttgart Porsche's annual Night of Champions Gala. Uh, Rogers and the rest of the field put on a spectacular first season of this series, and we look forward to its return, is what iRacing says on Instagram. It was a good series to, to watch, so you know, good on them. That's a good payout. Imagine making uh, an extra $28,000. From a fan perspective, I think this Porsche Cup car was funner to watch than the Formula One car was before. Um, I just think we had we saw a bunch of good, tight racing, a bunch of side-by-side with, with uh, Josh and his other teammates, uh, so yeah, the, it was a good, it was a good uh, season, like you said. Well, that that F1 car is probably too technical, and it's just nice. I mean, the, it was it's probably a, a lot. Cl- those are a closer knit st- series and and closer knit racing by those cars because of the power they have. They it's 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 a lot different than you know the aerodynamics and stuff that are dealt with with the F1 car, right? Right. It's and more I want to give you. Yeah, I want to give you a little fun fact because um, the switch to the Porsche was announced quite late and by then we already had recruited Josh Rogers for the uh, Grand Prix series because we thought the Grand Prix, Grand Prix series would also be there for this year. And if the change to the Porsche would have announced earlier, I think he would not have even been with us because uh, we had enough GT drivers or Cup drivers and we recruited him especially for the uh, Grand Prix series. So we are quite lucky, I guess, in that way. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys did a great job. Josh, obviously, uh, was a standout, you know, in most of the races uh, this year. He had incredible, uh, incredible pace in a lot of races, and that was in Montreal, for example, his run from ninth to first in the uh, main race, that was just insane. Yeah. Um, I want to say uh, uh, Montreal, no, maybe most sport it was, but there was one race I really enjoyed uh, when he was like side by side with uh, with the one guy for a long time for almost two laps or something. All right, yeah, right. Well, let, yeah it was a good race. All right, let's keep moving, uh, Greg. Let's talk about Dale Junior Download. So I love I love listening to this Dale Junior Download, and and I like the passion that uh, and the ideas that come out of Dale Junior. He's perfect for the sport. And, and he's always been that way. And, and the way he talked, uh, he had uh, Marcus Smith um, as a special guest this week. Um, and they came back, uh, circled back to the uh, the whole North, uh, North Work, uh, Wilkesboro scan project. And uh, it definitely, the way that they were talking, that whole segment got me. I was kind of really enjoying it while I was driving in my, in my truck. But uh, it looks like this project's actually going to take off. Like, they're going to they're gonna go and do this. Um, uh, it, it was, I don't know, what did you think of how, how he talked about his ideas with different things there? Like, that whole segment in general, but when it, it was good to see that Marcus Smith, obviously Marcus Smith doesn't sound like he's any part of the sim, he just knows about it. Yeah, and you gotta know who this guy is. He's like probably the third or fourth most powerful person in the industry because he owns half of the racetracks out there. And uh, so he's got a lot of clout and uh, he's actually the owner of the North Wilkesboro track. And so, you know, he's the guy who could shut it down or let it happen, but he's definitely on board for what's happening. 
it, it is a very infectious Dale Jr.'s attitude about it and uh, the way he described the project and how it came about and how they were talking about it. And they called Steve Myers and, you know, they were talking about Steve Myers and all the people he knows and all kinds of stuff. Well, and I guess uh, their Twitter and all their uh, social media lit up of different companies that would come out and help and all that stuff that were going off on that to help clear the shrubs and all the debris and stuff on the track. Um, obviously, Marcus Smith is the son of Root and Smith, right? Yeah, that's what. Right. So that's how, you know, he's, it was a really good interview. I, I, I think his guests each week keep ramping up and they just be getting better. But uh, Dale had also talked about in the same podcast that he started a second account, uh, basically because his old account, he kind of feels like he retired it um, as where he was when he left iRacing. So he had been off, he's been off for a while. His rig is going to be ready soon. Um, So he started a new account under this, I guess it's Dale Jr. Did he say, he said it was Dale Jr. again, did he not? He did say that. Yeah, but I was wondering if like he was going to say one? Dale Earnhardt 2 or... I bet he's got the kind of clout where iRacing can be like, yeah, we'll just put this one away separately. <laughs> but, Joe Blow or something. <laughs> well, the way he keeps promoting it, I don't think they're going to do anything about it. <laughs> they'll, they'll, Heck no. They'll, 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 they'll do whatever uh, helps uh, keep promoting him, right? Like, It's good to see he's coming back. He said he, what, his rig will be ready in a couple weeks or something like that. Is he doesn't even have his computer? He hasn't been on in a while. But he was. What I did find also was interesting is he was talking about how he wants to start from the bottom and go up again, just because of, uh, of everything. He's talking about he even promoted the tire model and and the different physics and things that are changing. And it was just good to hear that he's going to start. I think he's. I think he specifically said he was going to do dirt for a bit. He really likes the dirt part of it. Um, but he is going to start back up racing and oval stuff, and he's going to try and get all, a bunch of his license up. Okay, so I just searched the word Earnhardt in the driver search on the iRacing.com, and I came up with Ryan Earnhardt, Ricky Bobby Earnhardt, Jeffrey Earnhardt, Earnhardt died, LOL, Dale Earnhardt Jr. 2, last login April 1st, Dale Earnhardt Jr. from 2016, Dale Earnhardt Jr., with no period at the end, private. And then finally, Dale Earnhardt, last login, October 1st. I wonder if that's some testing. That's got to be it. Testing with his account. Maybe. I'm thinking he's just running as Dale Earnhardt now. Interesting. Well, I mean, time will tell. I'm sure people will figure it out. Yeah, and I pulled up the that particular profile. Winning percentage on Oval, 19%. And it what? looks like uh, he's been running iRacing street stocks back in July. Yeah, I think he was in some dirt stuff too. Yeah, so that's yeah, that makes sense. He'd be in the lower rankings, right? Yep. All right, next, uh, Shane, tell us about the or no, Chris, BMW 120. Yeah, and I didn't uh, know much about this race, uh, but there was a nice Twitter feed from BMW about it. Um, I guess it uh, went on last week. And they had tweeted out congratulations to Maximilian Winnig and Maximilian Benneke on winning the BMW Driving Experience 120 at Road Atlanta. And uh, I said, I don't follow this much, but what stood out, because I don't follow this much, what stood out for the, on, on this for me was the fact that I was reading this, um, this Twitter feed from BMW trying to figure out if this was a real race 
or if this was iRacers, <laughs> you know, or if it was an iRacer race. You can't tell, huh? No, because it was that good. I mean, the cover, I had to see that watermark to know that it was fake because the racing was really, you know, it was, it was good. The commentary was awesome. Yeah, those uh, two guys named Max, I think they're the, uh, Max Binicky, that's the guy who's the highest I-rating on road. And this was, like I said, this was BMW's Twitter feed. So before the race, they're, you know, BMW's promoting this, and they even have a tweet saying, look, our guy's Sim Race 2 iRacing. <laughs> and then they tweeted about it all through the race with updates. And so, you know, they, it kind of shows they've taken notice, you know, obviously besides sponsoring the series or the race. Yeah, we talked about this one last week uh, that was happening. It, I, I don't remember the prize package, but it was pretty good. All right, Will, we got an iRacing member spotlight, Tanner McCullough. Yeah, iRacing posted up a video on all their social media. Uh, it's a member, Tanner McCullough. I think I pronounced that right. He's running the Nissan GTP. Uh, it's the Camel Nissan. It's kind of like a, an older prototype. But it shows him running it around Monza combined. So it's really kind of showing off the car. Uh, some, some race craft. There's some good racing there. And um, the track and some historical facts about it is a... I think this is the first time I've ever seen a video of this nature where it kind of just shows off a member and some of the content, but it was a, it was good content they put out and kind of shows off a car they probably don't sell too often, not raced a whole lot, but it uh, still provides some great racing and great eye racing content. I love the look of this car. It's like a, it's like a wedge you would, you know, split wood with. <laughs> That's an interesting way to look at it. And it's this like track, I'm... too. I mean, the video kind of highlights this track, the Monza combined circuit. But, man, is it fast. Those guys are flying around the, the straight sections, or, you know. The the thing with these cars is whenever we watch those top ten, they always have a one of these cars, like the Camel Series, that Camel Series seems to actually, you know, produce good racing. So, obviously, this car has a, a following that... Uh, definitely produces some good racing now isn't tanner mccullough the guy who puts up uh, sets for free uh in a discord group i think it might be the same guy i'm not sure not sure either all right let's keep moving uh i got the next one a uh, hell of a time in charlotte for the roval uh parker uh Kligerman brings in his esports team to the roval uh to watch the race uh, we've got some uh, tweets here from Parker and Logan Clampett with some pictures. Uh, of course, Parker was in the race. I, I don't know how he finished, but um, Roush uh, also brought Novak to the Roval, and uh, Sudico brought Jimmy Mullis to the Roval, and they were also on Twitter putting up pictures. Uh, looks like a bunch of the guys got together that were there, and uh, uh, what a motley crew when they have a group photo there. Uh, Austin Dillon and Almendinger, they brought uh, Reynolds to the Roval as well. Uh, Brandon Reynolds, or Blake Reynolds, I mean, uh, was also there and uh, hanging out with Austin. He was, uh, they actually got to go in the Xfinity uh, winner's circle with A.J. Almendinger because A.J. won the race. And they got a photo in the uh, victory circle with A.J. That's pretty cool. So a bunch of perks for these peak guys, man. Well, that's pretty nice to be invited to the NASCAR uh, races. All right, Shane, t tell us about tankers. Yeah, so tanking or sandbagging, I guess it goes on in iRacing. People wanting to get their iRating down to get into lower splits and then, I guess, try to beat up on the little kids. And uh, this comes from the forums, a guy talking about how he likes to uh, 
get in a race and then withdraw nearly immediately, and he loses 80, you know, 70 or 80 I rating each time. And the staff uh, reposted that and then let everybody know that if you do that, you can be suspended, and uh, they may also put you in the highest division in the next season. What? That's new. I haven't heard that part before. That comes straight from a staff member. Nim Cross Jr. is the uh, chief steward of iRacing. See, <laughs> I'm going to admit this, obviously, hopefully. Um, this is what I did to go back down when I was off for two years so I could, you know, build myself back up. Obviously, I went back I'm up uh, in the higher splits now, like we're in the split one and split two, but this is, I, you know, I just we see this in some of the when right when the season ends you know i we were talking about this the other day there's some people that do this purposely each time to get into a different division i don't agree with it i did it for me when i did it it was pretty much just because i was rusty and i was coming back after two years i did not want to be at my 4400 i rating when i did it i wanted to go back and start my way up and now working my way back through i didn't it was and the Sims change. It's kind of like the Dale Earnhardt, but I don't want to start a new account. I wanted all my tracks and stuff. So maybe there's there's good and bad. Like if it's someone like I don't know what you think. If it was like if someone else is in my position and wanted to start over, would there be a way to get in contact maybe with iRacing to try and get that done somehow? If you've been off for two years or a couple years, reset you to rookie. <laughs> Well, it seems like there needs to be, because the other side of this is that the 4,400 I-rating people, especially on Oval, wouldn't have wanted you there either. Right. I, I, I mean, definitely agree. I wasn't, I was not in that class, and I, well, I'm not in that class anymore either, still. But I, at that time, I was running the, probably the original tire model when I left, or a couple of tire models in, and we didn't have the content so that they have. Here's the question, though. So did you? So you get, lowered your I rating so you could start over. But then, did you like smoke them and win the division in that lower division or not? No. Well, there you go. So, in the spirit of it, you didn't violate the spirit of it, in my opinion. I think you have to look at the totality of circumstance. You know what this forum thread's kind of talking about is that guy who has a bunch of I rating and. He, he goes way down and then he wins it and he, you know, wipes everybody out and he's winning every race. That's the, that's what the, I think they're really targeting here. Well, and the guy in the post is trying to sell it like a strategy too. Like he'll, he'll do that every hour entering a race just to back out of it, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's just, it's blatant sandbagging for the purposes of beating up on people. Now, what's interesting is this, this new part that Nim says where, they can also place you in the highest division the next season. And so what do you think about that punishment? I mean, uh, maybe the guy was in second or third division, and uh, he tanked the seven or eight, and so they put him in one. So well, you got to remember, this... the division placement isn't going to have anything to do with your race placement because you can be in division one and still have a bomb die See, rating like the what... guy would, but you'd have no chance to make any points against anybody you're competing against either. See, I, I agree with that, Shane. What the, the penalty needs to be, and I don't think it's possible for them, they need to play some in the highest split. Always. So he's always the 34 car in the highest split or, or the number one car in the highest split. And just to prove a point. But I'll I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to put you there. Right? Well, the other side of that is that the guy's a troll, clearly, and you probably don't want him racing in the top split anyway. Now, if he could, he, if he could race in the top split, he wouldn't be tanking his I rating. 
do you think he's now under a like they've kind of highlighted his name to watch what his moves are the next little while? I imagine I wouldn't he's be surprised. I'm guessing he probably got a personal email from Nemcross after that. There's almost got to be too many iRacers for them to properly police this unless there's some kind of alert they get and if somebody, say, loses 500 iRating in a week or two. or um, right. I right try not algorithm. to. I personally try not to. It's hard not to worry about my iRating and just my racecraft and how I'm personally doing and let it fall in place. I mean, I would rather lose against the best than just drop my iRating and beat a bunch of people up that aren't as good if this what if that's what this user wants to do i mean why why are you here just uh are you trying to be a better racer and have fun racing against the best or are you just just trying to pump stats you know yeah get that win count up you know and who cares if you're in bottom split you know well on iRacing side i imagine they can probably look at laps completed versus entries you know because that guy must have a ton of entries and no laps run we, we got well. a bunch of developers at iRacing. I'm sure they have some kind of algorithm that can uh, run a report, you know, once a month and highlight some people. Well, in the last, let's put it this way, the guy that did say that in the last couple of days hasn't done what he was talking about. Yeah. I can't go back any further, but that's a pretty stern it. warning from Mr. Nim Cross. So he doesn't have a very high I rating or safety rating so i don't think he was worrying about being up in higher splits hmm. all right let's keep moving chris tell us uh we got a poll would iRacing have suspended alex bowman or bubba wallace for what happened at the roval yep um iRacer john philip dubois um posted that up in the forums asking just that um and the results were uh, 45 percent yes 33% no, and 22% said it was a racing deal. <laughs> I don't think it was a racing deal. <laughs> I think he... Uh... But um, interesting question. I think my take would be uh, Bubba, I don't know that you could suspend him, but he, if he had, if it was on iRacing, he would have had chat access to... <laughs> yeah, chat ban. <laughs> yeah, so he probably would have had a chat ban, but as far, you know, you can't throw any kind of your, your blue drink at anybody on iRacing, so he'd be safe there. But I think Bowman... If you he probably would have either got suspended or probably at least a warning because he's Alex Bowman, so he probably wouldn't have any kind of record. Probably you know he probably would have got set. Yeah, I think a chat ban for Bubba, and I think uh, Bowman, you know, definitely would have got, uh, you know, either a stern warning or a sit down for a week uh, because I, it was pretty intentional when he he turned Bubba coming up out of the that last chicane. Yeah, I think he even admitted it. I think he even said it was because Bubba was flipping him off and he wouldn't stop. So, uh, pretty interesting. I was kind of waiting to see if Nim Cross would actually uh, weigh in uh, on the forum thread, but he didn't uh, to let us know for sure if the pollsters got it right. But I think they got it right. That would have been great if we could get the final word. We need to get um, emojis in chat so we could really flip people off and uh, see what they do then. <laughs> uh -oh. Well, if you think... If if they were talking about flipping off and it actually could be in the car, it's something that iRacing would obviously had to add to the sim, so it would have to be allowed, right? <laughs> Outrage, you know, like an angry face with a red face. Well, what would you think about... I mean, obviously we have chat to say, you know, go by. What would you think if you could actually motion your hand out the window like they do, like saying thanks? I mean, obviously no one pays attention, 
it's just a little thing in Iris, but I mean, we say it over the chat instead, right? I flip off race control anytime I get a 1x off track um, in my <laughs> sim rig, so I'd probably get punished at some point. <laughs> I thought it would always be cool if you could push a button and you put your hand up outside the window net to let you know air come in. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, next up, a bug alert. Uh, grass skid marks on the tarmac. Uh, Martin Krejcirik uh, posted up a picture of uh, running the Nissan GTP at Mount Panorama. Uh, on the pavement, there's a big old uh, uh, grass uh, kind of skid mark, and you can see the grass and dirt clods in it, and it's kind of an odd look. They wore the pavement off. <laughs> And then later down in the thread, somebody else posted up some pictures of uh, pavement skid marks in the gravel or in the dirt. Skidded so hard they turned gravel to pavement? I don't know, but they put up some replays and iRacing uh, team member Nick Leap is looking into it. So uh, we'll see what happens there. As much as they test, they're never going to find everything. So it's good that we have live testing out in racing and, you know, when people submit stuff. If you guys find anything, you got to submit it. They'll they'll look into it. Yeah, they're all over the forums. I got you. Got to give them that. They're definitely watching and participating, uh, do uh, doing a good job. Will tell us about Road to Pro. They're done. Yes, we got our top twenty, which will be racing in the Pro Series this winter with the bottom twenty of the Peak Series to set the Peak Series grid for next year. Um, but yeah, no, the Road to Pro is done. Um, looks like uh, I didn't really recognize any names on here, to be honest. Possibly Adam Gilliland. I don't know if he's racing the peak before, but uh, yeah, we got our top 20. You guys see anything there that stands out to you by chance? Well, I think you got to give a shout out for sure to Jeremy R. Allen, who won uh, P1 uh, with the most championship points by quite a bit over Bob Bryant, Graham Bolin, Liam Brother Brotherton, and Matthew Wright, too. Uh, round out the top five. Yeah, Brian Blackford, he used to be a peak driver. I think he, he finished eighth. Justin Bolton in 11th. Uh, that guy used to be a truck driver for a while in the truck series. Some of the, the things that are interesting, though, if you look at the stats, like he had one win and four top fives. Like he obviously was in high splits to get good championship points then. Yeah, you got to have the I rating to go with it, or it's not going to work. And then what's interesting, look down uh, at the cutoff line, uh, P20, Alex McCollum, three, barely sweets, uh, gets in. Uh, on the outside looking in, Zeke Torgensen in 21st, David Shutt, Garrett Maines, Mitchell Hunt, Nicholas Morse don't make it. That's got to be grueling. Well, and Jeremy, uh, his. Oval. I was just checking his I rating here. Yeah, he's got a 7,300 I rating. Yeah. So uh, it says 1,041 uh, drivers participated in the series, and uh, 12 weeks were counted. And I think you have to go back about three or four pages before you see people uh, that aren't getting the 12 all 12 weeks. So I was only one week. I think I participated once, and that was Atlanta. I think I did a few. But then my schedule changed. That's a long series. When did that start? Like March? Well, I think it was... Well, I would have been around when they were at Atlanta. Would it not have been? Because it's every yeah, two weeks, February, right? February, March, somewhere in there, I thought. 
but yeah, and it's just just finished, you know. So, and so now they got to run the B car. So that was the truck, and now they got to run the B car in the Pro Series. So the people that weren't top twenty in peak, they have to run this B series with the top twenty from this truck series. One of the few things that stuck out to me was how high the incident count seemed. It seems like to have incident numbers that high, that's about four race average for everybody, give or take a little bit. And a lot of these guys didn't have perfect races, I would assume, at that point. That it's a, that must have been a very competitive uh, series for them to have that many incidents and still be able to get up there. Well, congratulations to the top 20. I mean, you guys uh, had a long season. You earn it. Uh, con- uh, good luck going up against the peak guys. Uh, um, it's going to be uh, cutthroat. All right. Uh, next up, Shane. Thanks to Alan Pajari for the invite to Winter League. Yeah, so there's a winter league after I guess NAIS is done, and it's a we've got a couple of Tifosi members in there. David Hall and Brent McCoy are on the members list already, and it the description is a group of good, clean drivers in a very competitive league for the off season. Yeah, I have invited too, but my schedule is not going to work out. They they run the Cup car on Monday and then a B car on Thursday. I think I'm going to run the B car on Thursday with these guys. Uh, Brent and David though are going to lead. Uh, the charge for Team Tifosi, though, uh, thank you to Alan uh, for inviting us uh, to get involved. I actually helped Alan start the Winter League uh, maybe five years ago or whenever it started, um, and then he's kept it going. Uh, Alan actually was the guy who helped me start this podcast as well, and so we do appreciate him inviting us. When you look at the, Shane, look at the driver list of the people that are on this league. Uh, it is a uh, who's who, uh, tons of peak drivers and uh, ex-peak drivers, a bunch of guys with high I rating. Uh, it's going to be very, very competitive. It says good group of clean drivers. How did David and Brent get there? <laughs> well, they got invited. It is an invite-only uh, kind of league. Damn. So uh, pretty cool. Thank you to Alan. All right, next up, uh, Juan Montoya. Uh, posted up, well, it was actually WFGamer.com, who Montoya is uh, affiliated with. They do the world's fastest gamer thing. And uh, they did a video and a feature article, so to speak, uh, about Montoya and how he has used simulators since he started in Formula One way back in 2001. And he talks about how now he's using the simulator to helping his son, Sebastian, Uh, make it through the ranks Uh, he indicated uh, Sebastian will be going to Europe uh, to run road cars uh, next year and uh, they're using a simulator to uh, train for that and uh, he talked about lap times and he said on the uh, slower cars Sebastian can actually keep keep up or surpass uh, his speed and uh, he seemed kind of amazed by that pretty cool all right, Chris Scales, we got a patch uh, released earlier today. Yep, this morning, um, iRacing patched the sim. Uh, a few noticeable changes, um, nothing huge. Uh, but they did have a fix for visual effects, a fix an issue with motion blur that could cause crowds to render incorrectly. And seen that one myself. Um, there was multiple tweaks to the new damage model. Um, a couple of uh, virtual reality updates, 
they improve the chances of virtual reality starting up correctly when both HDR and anti-aliasing are enabled together. Using HDNR with VR is not advised due to memory and performance implications and often requires more than a more than four gigabytes of GPU. However, the simulator now allow, allocates the necessary resources early and makes sure it never resizes them. So it is now less likely to encounter a failure failure during loading or after uh, due to resize or loss of focus. So um, less crashes, hopefully, for some of those guys. And um, a new option, fully weight for sync equals zero, has been added to the Rift and OpenVR sections of the renderer dx11.ini file. The default value of value, uh, the default value of zero is most useful if you can maintain a very high refresh rate in VR, as it can actually help shave a little time off each frame without much detriment to control lag. However, if you are unable to maintain the refresh rate and are often dropping frames, you might achieve slightly less control lag by altering the setting to one. It is more advised to reduce settings um, by reducing or disabling anti-aliasing, turning off mirrors, post-processing, two-pass trees, shadows, and maybe even reduce pixel density below 100% to help your PC better maintain the refresh rate. There's no better fix than a fast frame rate. Um, okay. Basically, what they're saying is um, it's really important in VR to you want to have that 90 frames per second. If you have to turn off some of the other bells and whistles, do that to have the 90 frames per second. Um, this is another way to try to achieve that. This is another option they've added, but it sounds like you want to kind of turn off those bells and whistles first before you go to this um, INI file and make this change. But it, it's important. I mean, you can. If you're running, if you're dropping frames in VR, you might not even it might not affect your racing, but it can make you feel sick for the next whole day. I mean, so it's it's an important thing, you know. Turn off some of that garbage if you need to. Make sure you have a good refresh rate. Fully wait for sync equal one is what you would turn on for that. And the other part was uh, don't run HDR if you're on VR. Yeah, yeah, I've heard some other people say that too. It sounds like that's. Um, and I don't think it it gives you much of an improvement either from what I've heard in most of the headsets. Okay, and then a few changes on the car. Dolara F3 adjustments to the V7 tire. Yeah, that one's my jam. They've uh, they've gone ahead and gave, given us tire warmers for the uh, start of the race. And they're, I mean, they're not really tire warmers. They're meant to get up to a temperature of like a pace lap or a parade lap. And, uh, you know, those cars, I race them all the time, and they were just slick as stones for the first lap and a half. And uh, I ran a race earlier, and they're still pr plenty slick, um, like you'd expect from cold tires, but not nearly as bad as it has been. Okay, good. Uh, do you have a visual on the tire warmer, or it just raises the temperature? It just raises the temperature, so when you jump out of the pit, you've got a little more heat than you did before. Okay. Or, uh, or when you're sitting on the grid, you have some more heat. The other thing I noticed is the cup cars, uh, a new restrictor plate spoiler has been added. I guess it sounds like they, yeah, they must have um, changed the spoiler for Talladega maybe coming up here in a couple what of weeks. But is it 11 inches now or something? Yeah, 14 no. probably. <laughs> Did they ever actually do the original one when they had the change? Yeah, um, I mean... The first time, no, remember they changed, in NASCAR they changed, but did iRacing ever update it for that? Yeah, the top part, half was clear. 
Yeah. I okay, think it's like so five feet tall, it feels like. I'll look in here. I'll look to see if there's any road. No, but I think Talladega. what happened is, what, if I recall, NASCAR raised it again. And, and so even though we have the version that it looks like this year, I think it had to be increased even again. Yeah, that's what's happened. We've had we have the newest one, the one with the big clear ten inches right, at the top of it. Right, but it's gotten taller, I think, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, they've they've changed it again, and this is iRacing adjusting it. Yeah, I think it got taller. I don't know how long it is. Eleven is a guess, but I'll look uh, into they, it right now. They uh, disabled pit crew animations at the new circuit de Barcelona for some reason. Um, I get some serious frame drops at that track. I think that they. You know, it's new, and they I think they went out of their way on the detail and maybe overshot just a touch. So my speculation, and that's all it is, is that that's for performance to bring in line with other road circuits. Yeah, something about that front pitch straight um, with all the buildings there. I take a big frame rate hit as soon as those come into line of sight. Um, it's definitely a performance issue there. Okay, and then Homestead, a few updates to billboard signs. Minor texture issues with lights and some additional musco lights at the end of pit road. Uh, probably cleaning that up for the NBC pro broadcast. That's exactly what I was thinking. They're getting it ready to, you know, anything that they found, they're trying to just polish it up. Right. All right, let's keep moving. Shane, thoughts on uh, Dirt Pro broadcast? Yes. So these are some thoughts brought in the forums by, is this R. Will Gibson? Yep. Maybe yeah, Will he, should have took this one. Maybe he should, uh, because he's got four good paragraphs of thoughts on the matter. Um, well, tell us what this is about, Wells, briefly, because we need to get the hardware. Yeah, sorry, I don't like talking about my own posts sometimes, but uh, I just kind of put a kind of like a long written thing up there, um, just some things I think they could improve on. Not really to bash what they do. I think it's a great show, but just uh, ways to improve it. Um, I think uh, some of the commentators actually chimed in and kind of agreed with some of the points I made. Uh, basically making the not rushing the heat races in the B mains as much. Some of the best action is in those, and they really have no time to recap or play replays. It's just next, next, next. Um, another thing is try to bring the drivers into the commentating booth. Um, there's a lot of downtime for those guys between heat races, and I think it could really help show off the driver's personalities and uh, give some more insight into what you're seeing out on track. And then the really the final thing was... Uh, be more transparent as far as the officiating goes, as far as who's banned and why. And we all know what happens when you see people missing after a big wreck the next week. And uh, I think they should really kind of promote that, not really to shame the drivers involved, but to promote iRacing and how serious it is and uh, what they're trying to accomplish as far as the quality of racing. And uh, I just kind of put in my post uh, up there to see what some of those guys thought and got some good feedback and I just kind of want to make it better. I think it was good, Will, because it opened the discussion and, and people like Chase Roudman, who is one of the announcers, uh, you know, agrees with most of your points. And, uh, and other people brought up a, another very good point about a single camera location. A lot of times when you watch a dirt race um, that's broadcasted, it's a single camera situation and they're broadcasting this like it's a a NASCAR race and it's not a NASCAR race. And so a lot of people in the thread kind of pointed that out, that that was another big thing that maybe they could try to, to bring some more, uh, you know, bring it to a d different level. Yeah. The funny thing is I wrote it almost two and a half, three weeks ago. And, uh, 
out of nowhere the other day, my phone started blowing up. I don't know what happened, but it sat there forever with nothing going on. But uh, good to see feedback. I just want what's best for iRacing and get those shows promoted better. And just thought I'd put my thoughts out there. All right. Next up, Will, Rallycross updates. Yeah, the Rallycross World Championship, uh, sponsored by Thrustmaster, actually starts up Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we got uh, some uh, news out there, though, as far as some partnerships with teams and their sponsors. Uh, Jim Beaver Esports, we know them from the Peak Series. It looks like they, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they partnered with Renegade Esports or kind of took that organization over and got a sponsor called Dirtfish for the 2019 season. So not quite sure too much about Dirtfish. I haven't really looked too much into them, but good to see uh, Sim Racing bringing in some actual sponsors. And uh, Apex Racing Team, I think they were in the championship last year. They actually partnered with Subaru's Winter Experience, and it's a, a kind of a driving thing you could do up in, I believe, Wisconsin during the winter to get some snow time in a four-wheel drive Subaru. So it's pretty cool to see these uh, teams bring in some sponsorships. And uh, I didn't really see any kind of prizes or anything announced for the championship, but uh, I'm sure Subaru will take care of their drivers and Jim Beaver seems real invested in these esports, and I'm sure he'll take good care of his drivers as well. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, excited for Rallycross. Let's see how they do. Let's get to the hardware software. Chris, Oculus Link makes Quest work on a PC. Yeah, so in November, um, Oculus is supposed to be coming out with uh, their Link software. And so, uh, if you don't know, the Quest is the $200 wireless headset that you can, I don't know, you can play, uh, you can play some games, Netflix, Hulu, that kind of stuff. You can't play, you know, stuff like iRacing, stuff that is a little bit more PC intensive, it can't do. But you'll be, it does have a port on it that you use to, um, for its charging cable. We'll have to go out and buy a new cable plug it into that port, plug it into your PC, and you'll be able to play most games at, at pretty close to the same quality that you can play uh, games on the Rift, like the, on the Rift S now. Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, and well, and the cool thing is, you know, for 200 bucks, you'll be able to have something you'll be able to play on your PC and then uh, use it wireless and watch Netflix on the couch or other forms of 3D entertainment that'll blow your mind yeah david tucker from iRacing said quote i'm surprised they did not release this at the launch with the quest maybe they didn't want to cannibalize or kill the rift s this is the future an all-in-one headset that can double as a 3d display with a wire or wireless link to your computer i think he's right on i think they spent a lot of time on the on the s and yeah, if they would have, if this would have came out at the same time, nobody would have bought an S. All right, and then there's another uh, article introducing hand tracking on the Oculus Quest, uh, bringing your real hands into VR. And so, what would be cool about this is because if iRacing added it, what you could do exactly what you were talking about. You know, I'm going down pit road. You could wait, put your hand up in the air, and you could your sim hand would actually go up in the air. Or let's take it to the next level. You reach down to the start button or a button on the dash. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, bubble off somebody. Give them the bird. Give them the old, you got, your number you, one. Yeah. And you guys get concerned about the hit boxes of the whole cars. I can't imagine trying to push buttons like that. <laughs> and uh, this next one, techcrunch.com, 
their article, well, I don't know if, you know, Chris and, and David, who have the Rift S, want to hear this, but they say four months after its release, the Rift S is looking pretty irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, I did look into it, and there you do get just a, a, a little bit better performance out of the, the Rift S, and being a, so I pretty much only use mine for iRacing. It doesn't really doesn't really bother me too much, especially since I actually spent the same amount for my S that I would have spent on um, the uh, Quest. But yeah, if I was if somebody was asking what they wanted to you know going into VR now, there's no way I'd recommend getting an S. Just get the Quest for sure. Yeah, Unless that that cable is probably going to be thirty bucks. I'm sure it won't be a cheap cable. I haven't seen the price on that. But still, I mean, like I said, you have a, a wireless headset along with that wired headset, too, that you can take and watch a show while your wife swats on something else on the couch. That's right. So if you're into buying a headset right now, you need to look at this Quest over the, the Rift. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, the best simulator available. Um, and so this is an interesting uh, piece here. On Facebook, uh, it's basically a picture on the marketplace uh, from Gainesville, Georgia, uh, $12,000, uh, and it's an actual NASCAR chassis uh, with a simulator and sim equipment, you know, built in, so to speak, and they got like a monitor on the, sitting on the dash outside the windshield, um, computer and switches and everything a proper seat proper steering i mean you name it what do you guys think i think that this is prettier than it is something you'd want that's my opinion i mean he, he's got the one little bitty screen maybe maybe vr but then if you have maybe vr why VR, you, yeah. yeah but why would you want the whole uh cockpit if you had vr so we've talked about this guy before. This is Jason Jacoby, and he uh, he wears a helmet and a fire suit and everything when he races. Uh, These are the multiple camera guy, isn't it? This guy cameras. Yeah, he does a feed, and I think he runs an NIS as well. But yeah, he's desperately he's been trying to sell this for a long time. I think it's in his basement. I always wondered how he would get it out of there if he sold it. Is that like the guys that build their uh, project cars in the basement and can't figure out how they had to get it out? Right. All right. Uh, next up, uh, this was in a forum, or excuse me, in the Facebook Sim Racing group. And uh, Robert Meyer uh, put up a question to everybody. Um, how do you guys spend all this money on all this hardware? Um, you know, how do you justify that? You know, what are you looking to gain from the investment? And so... Uh, boy, he got a lot of comments. Uh, there were 52 when I looked at it. And uh, a lot of people had a, a lot of uh, answers for him about why do you spend money on sim racing. And I thought we would ask our group, uh, Greg, what do you, what's your answer? Well, it's the same thing. Why do you spend money on anything for like a hobby? If somebody's a photographer, you buy a camera, you buy lenses, you buy multiple things to enjoy the hobby, right? Why is it any different when you race or whatever you're doing? It, for me, for me, racing and, and being part of this team and doing that stuff, the reason I buy this this stuff is just it, it's you know I guess the best word is it's a release for me. It's it's 
it's something that I love to do. I don't do a lot of other things uh, besides, you know, I work 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah, I drive for a living, but I, I have no problem coming home and sitting in my rig. For me, it's the passion and the feel of racing and the uh, trying to be as authentic as I can be. I mean, we don't have really, I don't have a really expensive rig, but I got a good wheel and stuff like that. But for me, I expend the money because it's my hobby. It's it's the hobby that I spend it on. It's I don't do other things. I this is my hobby. Right. I mean, it's the oldest uh, anti-hobbyist argument ever. You know, uh, why does this golf putter cost five hundred dollars when you can get one for thirty dollars? And the answer is because I want it. Right. <laughs> What's that saying? Uh, something is only as valuable as someone or as what someone will spend spend on it. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people that were saying, you know, hey, if I had a different hobby, I'd spend even more money than I spend on this. Is actually very affordable. Every well, compared penny to I, racing, it is. Every penny of I, I've spent is worth it to help give Greg his release. Well, I look at it, <laughs> <laughs> Chris. But yeah, I mean, hobbies are expensive. Um, yeah, just like Shane said with golf. I mean, you're gonna spend. <laughs> a way more golfing than what you're going to sim racing because at least with this stuff i mean equipment you know, knock on wood has been pretty reliable for me and most of the guys i know and the service is cheap <laughs> i mean as far as hobbies go especially compared to real life racing it's way cheaper oh. well and, I, and i'm doing the golf and the sim racing so <laughs> i was hoping uh mason would be here for this uh discussion because he had a uh, spiel through the summer where he was on a tear buying stuff. But I mean, he, he bought something every month for like seven months in a row. Well, and you went out on one big spending spree at one point too. Yeah. I think it all, like when I came back, the only reason I came back to iRacing is I, the, the equipment upgrades and stuff like that, the stuff, the products were a lot different from the, the gap from between when I played or when I was on it before from now. So I wanted to get better stuff because you can. I almost enjoy working on my rig and upgrading components as much as I enjoy racing. Um, just whenever I have to like update something or fix something, or I enjoy taking that time and sitting there and tweaking on it. Um, I know I'm just as fast with my old G29 wheel as I am with my AccuForce wheel. But uh, I enjoy having the uh, more realistic experience, even if it does sacrifice a little bit of speed on track. And it's it's, it's a good, fun hobby. It uh, could be more expensive if I wanted it to be. If I, if I hit the lotto today, uh, right after paying off my house, I'd be buying sim gear. Um, so I think it's just one of those things. I think you enjoy the hobby of it. You know you don't have to spend money on it, but you like it and you enjoy it and you just go about it. It's, uh, it's just what it is. Yeah. When yeah, it's hard to justify a fourteen hundred dollars steering wheel, you know, to somebody who doesn't do it. But I, you know, didn't think twice about it, you know. So let's keep well, moving. Uh, next up, a forum post from Christian Rivera from Mexico, asking opinions about should I upgrade to a direct drive wheel or should I get an eighty twenty rig? And he can't afford to do both. So which one should he do first? And so it was a poll. He got 79 votes. Uh, 70% said get the 80-20 rig before you get the wheel. Now, well, he he's has got a, a wood setup. 
Yeah, I mean he's he's got he's got good pedals and he's got the uh, nice Thrustmaster wheel and uh, then the the part that you really look at is he's got a an office chair with the casters off of it and I imagine when he gets on that Fanatec brake he's uh, sliding south. So the cockpit's important so you can really brake correctly, right? And you have that pivot point of your back and your legs against the pedals. I mean just to get comfortable even like that. I mean, he's up in the air. Yeah. And I think if you read through the thread, yeah, most people were recommending the cockpit uh, before the wheel because uh, you try to mount a wheel to a desk or something like a desk, a, a direct drive wheel. It just doesn't, it's going to, it's not going to work. It's too shaky. I think that this cockpit I have, the Obato Revolution, is probably right at the limit of being stable enough for a direct drive wheel. Like when I hit the wall, if I crash it over, it's a big hit and the whole thing will shake, but it holds steady, but it still shakes it and, and rattles and so forth. It shakes your monitors pretty good, doesn't it? A little bit. Um, the monitors are kind of leaning against the, the, the monitor stand is kind of leaning against the Obato, so it does translate a little bit, but... Uh, it, it's fine, uh, but I think his setup, you know, with wood and whatnot, that's not going to work. All right, let's keep moving. Shane, uh, Derek Spears' design wants you to get good head from your WMR. Yeah, uh, I mean, an exciting title to this uh, to this uh, story, but it's actually just a strap, an, an extra auxiliary this strap help you for with VR. Release. Right, yeah, you might pick this up, Greg. Um I mean, all it is is a Velcro, Velcro strap that goes across the top of your head to help stabilize your VR unit. Now, a thing I wonder about this, um, I tried out team member David Hall's VR once, and uh, those things are so front-heavy, I'm surprised that they don't counterweight them in the back like, uh, like a night vision rig. So we covered uh, a story once where a guy uh, had a thing from above with a wire that kind of you know, held it up or or took some of the weight off of his head. Well, I mean, have you ever seen these guys like, you know, SEAL Team 6 type dudes where they've got the big military night vision and it sticks out, you know, a few inches similar to how the Oculus does off the front of your face and to combat that weighing on their cheeks or pulling or, you know, making their neck hurt, they put a counterweight on the back of the of your of your head. Right. So that, you know, it's still heavy, but it's no more heavy than like a motorcycle helmet. I bet once they have the, the really good, true wireless headsets, there'll be a big bulky brick back there. That's where they'll have battery or the uh, CPU or something. And yeah, you're right. It's, it's very front heavy. Yeah. Is... I mean, a, a, a pouch with some, uh, with some fishing weights in there would, <laughs> yeah, would get it some, done. Just some sand. I'm going I'm to duct tape some sandbags to my little tiny, like, the cornhole bags, a couple of those on the back of my head. Yeah, I mean, it. I, it, it'd make you feel a lot better, I bet. So the little pad just kind of goes across your head and attaches on either side just to help you hold the weight by, you know, the pad on top of your head. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think he's won $20 for him. 20 Talking bucks. about if he gets enough orders, he'll, uh, you know, really start stocking them. Yeah, they have something similar on it now, but it's just a skinny strap, and this is like a yeah, big old pad that would cover most of your head. Yeah, yeah thicker. Yeah, yeah, spread out that weight, like weight transfer, I guess. It kind of reminds me of uh, those little hats the Jewish people wear on top of their head, little cap, beanie caps. A yarmulke. 
Yamaka, right? It kind of reminds me of a Yamaka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, with with straps on either side that you could tie to your VR. Windproof Yamaka. Okay, maybe that's our title. All right, <laughs> Greg, uh, custom built wheel emulator for the Fanatec DD1 and DD2 wheel base. So this is courtesy of simracingmachines.com. Um, so I, I'm reading into this. It's a custom built wheel emulator for your direct drive wheel, uh, direct drive one and two, or, or direct drive one and two wheel base. So basically what it is, is it emulates. Um, it's like a universal hub yeah. without the buttons. Yeah. So it's a cheaper way of getting a universal hub. Um, it has options for shifter paddles and stuff added to it, um, but it still lets you use the direct drives force feedback and go through all the settings and things like that. So it's kind of like, it, it, it's like it said, it's an emulator. It's supposed to emulate that it's something It's kind of a work through to get your own wheel on whatever wheel you use and, and amount it to, instead of buying the, I guess the expensive version of fanatics, um, Base. So I guess this emulator, when it shows uh, up on your computer, it'll show up as the Porsche wheel rim. So they're using that kind of the software to make it recognized that way. Um, the kit, it's a three, 3D print, uh, will include, it's a 3D printed enclose, or enclosure. Um, it's, got, it's got the quick release on it. Uh, you can have... Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, quick options with it, with the shifters and uh, different, I guess it's a wheel, a different plate um, for mounting uh, different rim sizes on. Um, now he did, they did stress in here that they have tested this length, the, uh, the kit at length on the direct drive two wheelbase and it has worked perfectly. So I guess this is another option for somebody that's looking, has spent all that money that on the wheelbase and doesn't have anything left over for something to mount their wheel with. As far as a rim with a bunch of buttons on it, I don't know what wheel you would have in, or what rim you would have ended up with that isn't already uh, able to hook up to the Fanatec stuff, though, because they seem to all be. And then if you just have some old random Cadillac steering wheel you want to stick on it, you don't actually need any kind of hookup, do you? I'm thinking all this is is, is the cheaper version of the, the hub. It's basically getting you, uh, I don't know what that converts into. I got it at, it's at 66, 66 euros. euros. So whatever it converts to instead of the, t I think it's 299, isn't it, Mike? For the yeah, Xbox Yeah, 300 bucks, hub? and the buttons are crap. See, you've had problems with the buttons. I haven't. But that, there's all kinds of these issues poking up with the fanatic stuff. But it's a good, you know, it's a good uh, part to hear if you have something looked, you know, to try something inexpensive. If you guys are looking for to attach your rims, so go to uh, www.simracingmachines.com. Okay, pretty cool. Uh, if I had to start over and I knew what I knew now, I might try this before I try the $300 one. Um, because it's only 66 uh, euros, so might work just fine. Let's get into results next. Uh, looking at finishing off the NASCAR iRacing Series at the Roval, Charlotte. Uh, I ran Thursday fixed uh, with uh, a new recruit, uh, Adam Thompson. Adam actually DQ'd out. Uh, he was running 10th, 
but uh, ran out of incidents of, uh, eventually. He was definitely in the bottom split. Uh, I ran. I got P16. I spun off on my own a couple times, but uh, had a much better race uh, than the day before. Uh, Friday Open, Greg, you ran your event, uh, P9, uh, uneventful race. Yeah, it's, uh, that race I was just, I couldn't, I did uh, a two-stop strategy, if I remember correctly, on that race, and I was stuck on that, and um, I ended up back where I was going to end up if I would probably had done the um, one-stop strategy. So I don't know what was better or not, but uh, I'll take it. Move on. What do we got? Uh, six, seven weeks left? Six weeks, I think. Okay. It's always weird as we get down at the end of the season. You know, you're like, what am I going to do when it, the season's over? Well, I remember last season I had the old Bastards Racing League afterwards, but uh, I don't, this offseason is going to be interesting. Right. All right. Uh, and then next uh, Sunday open, David Hall. Uh, ran a P8. He said he ran conservative and finished 8th. Sunday fixed, I ran. I got a, wow, P6. Uh, boy, what a good run. I, I definitely had some help with some people wrecking in front of me and stuff. But uh, for me to finish 6th at a Roval, I was shocked, guys. And I, I came away from that event like I won the race. I was just like, this is the, probably my best run of, uh, of the year. I'm very proud of it. The, you know, I was running 122s and 123s all, all night long, and that's not fast. I mean, the uh, the fast guys are, you know, two seconds ahead of that. And uh, for me to finish six, uh, wow, you know, great points day for me. Uh, Mr. Brent McCoy, winner. Man, he is on fire. He uh, got another win. Qualified P2. Uh, he did pit on lap 25. Uh, he was two seconds behind the leader at that point. But after the pitch cycle, he came out P1, three and a half seconds ahead. And so it was a fuel mileage race uh, until the end. Uh, he was clutching on the backstretch the final 15 laps, uh, finished uh, with a nine-second lead. I thought he pitted too early. Uh, when he called out that he was pitting, I'm like, man, that's about four or five laps early, I thought. But uh, he did have to stretch it, but he got it done. Uh, next up, Dover. Shane, tell us about Wednesday Fixed. Well, it was a it was another session of eye pacing for the most part. I got caught up in everything and uh, limped around a few laps down until the engine blew up. Okay, P twenty one, and then Wednesday Open. Uh, David put wrecked. He was running fourth, all race clean. Uh, third place got loose in front of him. Game over. Uh, Mason. P4, uh, tough fought, he says. Was a Ryan Newman the first half of the race, uh, but tagged the wall, was good mid-run. P2 on the final restart, but got loose, fell back to P4. And then Shane, P6. Yeah, I did much better that evening, and uh, I, I was second until uh, of the final caution. And, uh, you know, we had the whole team speak on, and I'm so new to oval racing. Everybody's coaching kind of gave me a bit of a paralysis by analysis, I think, and I put it in the wall and smashed it up. But by that point, even though I didn't actually finish, um, I only fell down to sixth. <laughs> the, take tires, don't take tires, that kind of thing? or Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of get him here, 
jump the start, all these kind of things. And I was like, man, I'm just, you know, at the point I'm at right now on the oval side, I'm just trying not to wreck the car each lap. Yeah, it's pretty easy to do at Dover, especially on restarts. I'm not mad at anybody, though. It's just, uh, you know, I need some experience getting around in the crunch time. Yeah. Yeah, at some point, you'll find that kind of uh, analysis actually helpful. But you're right. I mean, when you're new, it can be overwhelming uh, if you're not ready for it kind of thing. Well, and I kept on just running laps as safely as I could. And the next thing I knew, I had chased down fourth place and third place and second place. And there I was at the, you know, at the end in second. And it's like, well, I didn't mean to be here from the jump. All right, you're going to get that win. I can taste it. Coming soon. All right, let's talk uh, today's race, Thursday Open. Uh, I got P2. Unbelievable, guys, P2. And I was telling everybody last night how confident I was coming into this race. I just could feel it, man. I, I just knew I was going to be uh, a factor. And so P2, uh, at the initial start of the race, the front four or five cars actually piled up. They spun their tires. And uh, luckily, Jesse and I were able to miss it, but we were all a lap down except for, like, first place. And so uh, as we were coming to one to go, the entire field from second on back had to be waved around. Uh, but anyway, I ran top ten all day. Um, at the end there, you know, I worked my way up to second, uh, third, and that kind of thing. Uh, but the guy who won, he was just faster than me. I mean, he really did deserve to win. Uh, he was faster on the short runs. He would get away from me. And then I would, as the run ran past 10 laps, uh, I would try to, I would catch him a little bit, but I just couldn't catch him. So, but, uh, very, very happy with a P2. Uh, and then Brent, guess what? P1, he won again. Uh, he qualified P1. He led 183 laps. Uh, Jesse ended up uh, spotting for him because uh, Jesse ended up wrecking out of his race. Um, and so uh, McCoy uh, was very uh, praising of Jesse to help him get that win at the end and coach him through it. I definitely do. Uh, anybody on this team, if you can enlist the services of Jesse when you're he's not racing, do it. Yeah, spotters are fun uh, if you can get one who's good. Uh, Tony Rochette always, uh, also ran with us. Uh, he put straight in the wall. It was a Tafosi front row. Uh, Brent was first on pole. Uh, Tony actually qualified second. Uh, he was tagged when two cars in front of him collided and was tagged and went straight in the wall. And so he had like eight minutes required and eight minutes optional. So he just bailed. But uh, what do you guys think about Dover? I mean, the setup was pretty good. I was really loose getting in for the first 10 laps but it would settle after that, and it was a pretty good long-run car. Um, but, uh, man, I, I was excited to be up there contending. I think our Brent McCoy uh, and team setup is excellent. Uh, in, in that race, in that open race, we had a really long, a couple of really long runs, like over 50 laps, and around lap 30, it just became a relative rocket ship compared to the other cars around. Right, yeah, long run, I think it really came in. Uh, you just have to survive that first 10. I was actually letting people go on the short runs uh, because they're just gung-ho, just chew up their tires as fast as they can kind of thing. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to learn how to redrive once the tire models come. 
Well, I can't that'll wait. be interesting. Is it going to hurt me or hinder me? I think it'll help. I, I think any kind of, uh, because I'm driving the new tire on the F3 car all the time as my primary series. And uh, it's uh, it lets you be conservative and it lets you push. And uh, the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mike, you've been able to adapt to anything that they've that it's been thrown at you. I'm sure you'll be fine once it happens. Yeah, it's got to learn to save tires better than I do, but I, I think I'm getting there. Uh, the, today was a good example, like letting those guys go. I felt like I was totally saving. The old Mark Martin, let them by, and you'll eventually catch them again. Right. I feel like it's easier to save tires with the on the new tire model too, because they they feel more consistent throughout the run. And so you can tell more when you when you break you know you break uh, traction, and you're really pushing it too hard. You can tell the difference between that and just a tire that has ten laps on it. It does a lot less uh, snapping too, which yeah, makes it yeah. a, just a generally more drivable car, even if it can be uh, more of a handful. Yeah, so I'm going to run fixed tonight. See if I can back it up and get a, a top five and. Uh... And the rest of the week is gravy. Uh, what's up next week? I mean, we got uh, the next three in the playoff round coming up. Talladega. The next, one is, the next one is yours, Mike. That's your track. Talladega, baby. Let's get it. Good thing is, is I think we'll probably, me, you, and David probably will be, end up in the same splits. And Jesse. And Jesse, so we can all work together, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I'm stoked for Talladega, for sure. All right, uh, with that, let's get into final thoughts. Chris Scales. Uh, work schedules uh, kept me from many starts. But, yeah, hopefully get a start at Dover this week. I love that place. Um, been racing a lot with the old bastards. Uh, I talk about them a lot. But, and the racing has been incredible. Uh, I had my second podium with them last night. And uh, mostly because we had I raced had an issue where some guys got booted. But uh, was running down second place, who I was a lap and a half short on fuel. Pitted, he didn't, and was saving. I mean, that that's fun. That's racing, catching somebody half a second on the lap that's, that's saving fuel and uh, finishing within half a second of each other. Good stuff. Yeah, if you only had one or two more laps, right? Yeah, but yeah, but how much was he saving? Yeah, you know, he could go at some point, and yeah, it's, that's that's good stuff. And that's happened probably twice in the last month. All right, we love the old bastards out there. Um, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. I'm um, going to probably get my only Dover race in tomorrow night, so we'll uh, see how that goes. I had a disappointing weekend at uh, the V8 supercars at uh, the Bathurst 1000. I wrecked myself out early. I wasn't too happy with myself, but... Uh, uh, real early. Yeah, real early. And there's uh, there's another opportunity to do a, the, a Bathurst 500 uh, that I got in, I got uh, emailed to, so someone's putting on. So I'm gonna go and try and redemption of that, and it's not net this weekend. I believe it's the following weekend. So a lot of laps at that old track. I felt good at it. Just didn't, just didn't uh, made one mistake on the grass, and that was enough. Yeah, if you just have one wheel off in the right wrong spot, it's done, right? Yeah, it was like 25 seconds of damage. I had. Didn't want to get. I didn't want to run around there and ruin someone else's races after I got it fixed. So I was just like, I'll try it again some other time. Uh, you they'll just say you're tanking your I rating, right? Hey, I put some laps in. Oh, okay. 
You can't take tank my road rating much more than it already is. All right, very good. Shane Chastain, final thoughts? Um, it is odd to me that on the oval side podiums aren't a thing you know it's uh if you're not first you're last and i really feel like that uh my mentality coming from more open wheel stuff really did me a disservice in my uh dover finish the other day because i was going to be happy just to get second or third right you got to win that's the whole idea <laughs> right right it, 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 a second and third in, in nis is not nothing to you know, it's not a good laugh, laugh. It's a good thing, man. Yeah, but but the sentiment hit the Tifosi team on the team speak as total nonsense, and I can see why. Yeah. Now, if you didn't have the team and the team speak, and you were just by yourself, it's a whole different thing, and so uh, it, it can be a good thing. All right. Well, let's keep moving. Uh, Will Gibson, final thoughts. I just uh, ran with the uh, iRacing or the Reddit iRacing League uh, this week. I think uh, Phil Linden was there, along with, I think, David Hall. Um, had some fun doing that. No computer issues, so I'm going to give it uh, another race this Sunday, make sure everything's running good, and uh, try to get back into some official racing. Now I'm a little more confident. My computer ain't going to crash on me. Okay, very good. Um, hopefully you got past your computer issues. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, man... Dover, second, I can't believe it. Roval, six, I'm just on fire, guys, and um, really confident. Like I said, last night, I was just on cloud ninth going into Dover, and I can't believe it. I actually pulled up my spring finishes, and I had a seventh in the spring. And so to come in here and get a second, you know, right off the bat, I'm really happy. Uh, boy, Talladega coming up, that's my bread and butter, boys. Uh, let's get some more wins, and... Uh, and uh, right out this year on a, on a high note. So and with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.